continue our series in Ephesians today. I'm in Ephesians chapter 3, and you know, one of the challenges, obviously, uh, if you read Scripture, I hope you do, but one of the challenges if you're presenting it and you're doing a series and you're only one chapter that week and then you move on to the next one, this passage of Scripture in Ephesians 3 we could camp out on for, I don't really know how long we could, but it could be a long, long time. We're not going to do that. I'm going to try to keep it a long time today. But we are going to, uh, we'll see how that works. But Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to go 14 through 21. So we're going to go today. So if you, if you can either see it up on the screen, hopefully, or you have your own device there. For this reason, Josiah was talking about posture. Uh, but Paul takes that here. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever. And everybody said, amen, amen. That is a powerful passage of Scripture for a lot of reasons. And again, we're going to shrink it down really to about two verses here in verse 20 and 21. The Apostle Paul is closing out basically his first half of this letter, if it was a half, if you will, but because you know, we have six chapters. This is chapter 3, but we look at it as halfway through here. And he's closing out with this magnificent doxology. And for those of you you know, you've heard if you're in church a long time, the doxologies and doxology is defined as an expression of praise to God. But the word doxology comes from the word doxa, meaning glory or splendor or grandeur, and logos, which means the word or speaking it. And most doxologies in the church are, are short hymns or praises to God, just like what Paul just did here. What I want to do, if I, could, if I can, is take and break down these two verses here this morning, stepping a little bit back into the previous ones we read, and see if it's a help to you. I hope it is. But to now to him, I'm going to break this into two. Now to him, and then he jumps, uh, that's the first three words, but then he jumps to the first four words of chapter 20, or verse 21. To him be glory. Now to him. Be the glory. The only visual, I was trying to think, what a visual, when we think of giving glory to something, uh, what was the way that Paul, because I'm going to try to share this with you today, the way that I believe Paul is expressing this passage of Scripture. Now to him be the glory. Glory is if, let's say somebody wins the, 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 the Super Bowl, or even a regular football game, I don't know, or any football game, but they are carrying the star player, the man who made the, the big play off the field on their shoulders. Glory to him. Or the coach gets carried off. Glory to him. Or a standing ovation 
You just can't help yourself. You're so compelled in that moment. You, you, you don't even know how you, you ended up standing up. All of a sudden, you're clapping. All of a sudden, you're, you're, you're giving accolades. All of a sudden, you're there, and you don't even know how you got there because it became so instantaneous to you because of you had to say something. You had to express something. Now, I'm convinced that in every heart of every person, young or old, there is this need and longing for the doxology in this sense. We may sing it more for ball teams. I could get up here and make a fool of me calling the hogs, woo, pig, suey. I could do that. I would not feel like a fool because I've done it as long as there's another 70,000 in the room with me doing it also. But by myself, I could feel that way. But giving praises, I could spend more time. I, I could spend more time researching the University of Arkansas's football team, baseball team, basketball team, than researching the riches, the magnificent riches of an Almighty God. Because I long for that. It's innate to me to want to give praise, to want to give something. Or it could be a celebrity or an athlete. Uh, we now know, uh, and he's been in the news a lot this week for other reasons, and, and, and I'm glad of what he's doing, but King James, for most of us, no longer is referencing a version of the Bible. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. <laughs> we think of it in other ways now in our culture. could be politicians. I get concerned about some of our rallies that I see around nowadays. Could be an agenda or a mindset that we that we champion, that we see as the the answer, as the hero, as the I mean it could even be a style of music that we sing. I, I don't know if you've ever done this. I, I'm pretty old, but I got to grow up in a, a little bit. I had older siblings. Uh, I'm the fifth child, so the sixth. I'm, I'm, they started in it means 13 years from the first one to me, okay? And then there's 12 between me and my little sister. So it's kind of a, my mom and dad had children in the home 45 years. Think about that. Okay, but anyway, so I got the advantage of listening to older music because I had so many older siblings. And then I, was, I grew up in the, the 70s, which, by the way, is the best years, by the way, of really becoming from 10 to 20 years old. It's, I'm telling my age here, but it was awesome. But I'll tell you what happens sometimes. You're in the store, and you're, they're, they're playing music just kind of behind whatever you want to call it, just kind of this white noise, if you will. They're playing, and all of a sudden you hear a song that you used to sing, and you start singing it, and you go, that's not good. <laughs> that, that is not good, what I'm singing here. But man, I used to think it and sing it with all my heart. You know why? Because that's where my heart was. It's really where my heart was. When you sing some, whether it's hip-hop to country and western, when you sing some of those songs with so much energy and so much, you need to think about it just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm saying all of them. But it's innate to us to want to sing, by the way, to praise, to champion some, to have a hero. But we were designed for God to be that hero. 
We were designed to sing praises. We were designed to do doxologies. We were designed, designed to give splendor and grandeur. We were designed, but for somewhere along the way, as we well know, it got corrupted and perverted. But I believe with all my heart, young and old, it's within us. Born with it. To give glory to something. I skipped over this because I jumped to the first part of verse 21. Let me finish up or start on back to verse 20. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. God can do more in our lives than we have asked him to do and more than we ever thought he could do. Now think about that. Not even what you've, whatever you've asked him, he can do more than what you thought you could even come up with. I love what Craig Groeschel says, your brain does not understand what your God is capable of doing through you. Your brain will shut you down. Your brain, through fear or whatever it may be, will cause you to shut it down. That is all you got. He goes on to say, there is way more inside of you than you can imagine. You were made for more. You weren't just made to survive, and that's part of it. We have instincts that God gave us to survive, but we were made to thrive. If Paul was the pastor of Renovation Church, and many times I've asked him to take over and let me go on. No. Can you imagine him in the interview process? No, I cannot. (laughs) But I would say this. I think that every time he lifted his eyes to the heavens, he would almost see God saying, I can do more in this church than you have yet to ask or think. And if Paul is the man that I believe he is, you know what he would do? He would ask for the power and the obedience to launch into the new venture. And the next time when that was all rolling, what would he do? He'd look up and go, God, I can do more. I can do more. And what would Paul do if he was living into the fullness, as Scripture says, into the fullness and the power of what God can do? He would launch into the next one. In obedience and clarity, of semi-clarity, by the way. Sometimes you don't have clarity of all that God is asking you to do. It just seems right to you and the Holy Spirit that this is it, but you launch in with obedience and power. But let me say this, power is significant. It is so important in this. What if you really believed there is more in me? than I can think or imagine. What if I begin to believe in this church, in this location, there is more in us than we can think or imagine. Immeasurably more, not just a little more, immeasurably more. But here comes Paul. God's, I said a few weeks ago, God's love is unconditional, but his promises are what? Conditional. (laughs) I, 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 you almost, everywhere you look, that's where it is. Because it is immeasurably more according to his power that is at work within us. 
What if the power's not there? Apparently that's what happens to many Christians and many churches. And I'm afraid there are times some churches, Ichabod has been written, if you know, Ichabod's been written over the, man, the door frame. My spirit is left. You're still doing what you always done, but my spirit's left. They've been cut off from the source of power. They have, through unbelief or disobedience or unconfessed sin or careless living, or the, as Romans 12, 1, 2 says, no longer conformed by the, the ways of this world. No longer conformed to those, but be transformed. All of this can rob us of power. But I love what verse 16 that we read says, the, the, the word here is strengthen you with power implies, it literally means infused. You're infused within the inner man. This power, this dunamis power, as Acts 1.8 talks about, this dynamite, this, this energy that comes from living in the fullness of the Spirit. According to his power at work within us. That is so critical. Because again, here's the promise. Is his power at work within you? We all can ask a lot of things. But are we willing to give ourselves fully to him where he abides in us? The church on the earth is here to glorify the Son of God. If our motive is to glorify God by being a part of the church through his son, he will allow us to share his power. But let me say this so clearly, and I want to remind you. The power of the Spirit is not a luxury. It is a necessity to live immeasurably more. I don't know how else to say that. It is not an add-on later on in your faith. It is not, well, I want, I want, electric, I want an electric sunroof. I want, I want the premium wheels on this car. No, it is the engine. It is the engine and transmission. It is, there's nothing else. You can go without most of the rest of that stuff. But I'm telling you, this is it. I cannot under, uh, overemphasize that to you. It is not a luxury. It is not an option. It is. By the power that lives in me, within us, you individually and us as a church, that God gets the glory. There are only two ways that God ultimately shares his glory. Through his son and through his church. Of all things. Can you imagine that? He talks about, now I don't think I have a slide for it, but he talks about in chapter, I mean, verse 10 in this chapter, he says, Paul says, the mystery hidden for the ages 
from the God who created all things is what he says. He says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Now think about that. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers. Now we will come back to that, I'm sure, in Ephesians chapter 6 and explain that a little more of what that is. So don't miss that or you can go look it up later. But Ephesians chapter 6 about what the principalities and powers, but God's manifold wisdom. If the church on earth is here to glorify the Son of God, the implications of this are staggering for you and I. We read in Scripture that humankind is the glory of God. It is telling us that God was recognized in humans. Why? So humans could accurately represent Him. Adam was comparable or similar to God. So much like God that it was an illusionary. In other words, when the animals saw Adam walking through the garden before the fall, there were times where they almost had to go, is that God? Because he so represented who God is, he was representing God. But then the fall... Adam and Eve sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 God is no longer recognized in fallen humankind. We must be changed back into God's image. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. From glory to glory, the word says, for his recognition to be realized again, we are to be changed back into his image. And again, I'm not going to preach that sermon today. The churches, locally, renovation churches included in this. (laughs) Our purpose and destiny has been and always will be a corporate and visible and audible doxology to God. We as a church should be a doxology to an almighty God. Your life should be a doxology of telling of his splendor and his grandeur. In Christ Jesus, the scripture goes on to say, so that, verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. In other words, it means to abide, abide. It's not enough that Christ is in your speech. Or he crosses your brain every now and then on occasion. But it literally means here, it says, to be rooted. To be rooted in it as an image. Think about this. The roots go down deep. They, I, I was, we were, Cameron and I were looking, we were on a creek the other day looking at this tree. And this tree, literally its roots, even though the, the dirt had been washed out from underneath it, the roots were so strong, it had built itself back up under the bank. And, and it's unbelievable. When the roots go deep, other things can fall away. Where most of us would say, oh, you got to have that there. No, that tree didn't have to have that. Because the roots were so deep. 
Can I be a Christian and not go to church? Don't answer that. Can I be a Christian and still live the way I want to? Sure, I guess you could. Can you be married and really never go home? Can you be married and live as if you were not married? Sure, I guess you could. You were there for the wedding, right? Planning on retiring together. We'll get back together then. Can you be a parent that rarely sees their kids and has really not a relationship with your children? Sure, you were there for conception. You may have even been there for the birth. You may even send cards and talk on occasion. Can you be a parent and be absent? Maybe. Can I be a Christian and not go to church? Can I be a Christian and still live the way I want to? Well, let me say this to you, friend. I hope you understand this. Christianity at its essence is a devotion to a person. Not to a sacred memory. Not to some type of conduct, even. Not to just get to heaven someday but to a living person who stands before us today as real as he stood before the disciples, as real as he stood before Pontius Pilate when he asked, what shall I do with this man? Every one of us has to deal with that. What shall I do with this man? Not what shall I do with communion today. You may have issues with how we do it here. Not shall I do with this or that. What shall I do with that man? And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is here to abide in us, to take root in us, to be our foundation. That's what he's here for. And through him, the empowerment and the glory. To all generations, forever and ever, amen. The last few weeks I've had the opportunity to be where there are not a lot of city lights. And one of the things I love doing on a clear night when there's not many city lights, I did it as a kid in Arkansas, and there was almost no city lights, okay, in that little town. But it was just to lay out under the stars and just watch. And just watch. You know, and every now and then, there's a shooting star. But you know how long that shooting star is there? Like that. Have you ever been with anybody? Oh, a shooting star. What, what? It's not in time, is there? It's like, oh, why didn't you warn me? <laughs> well, you can't. In that vein, the greatest men and women of all time, the apostles Peter, John, and Paul, and more current, Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, and we could name many others. The most admirable people, admirable people of history are only like shooting stars on the sky of history. They last about a third of a second <laughs> and gone. But God is like the sun. Generation after generation, he rises. On the just and the unjust and never fades in his glory.
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So why does Paul sing? See, this is a song, I think. I really think what this, these two verses are not just like, oh, I need, to ta- I need to tag this up. I need to wrap this up. Like many of you are wishing I would do. <laughs> just wrap it up. No, I don't think that's what's going on here. I don't even believe Paul may even be singing. Uh, There's a chance he's shouting. Paul would later write to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 16. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he has considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy, mercy being the mystery, because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, just like, I mean, a Gatorade bath at the end of the ball game. I mean, now that's the way we do glory. That's the guy that's going to get the Gatorade. But the point is this. It wasn't just spit on me. It wasn't just a little bit of splatter on me. It was poured out on me. Paul got it. Along with the faith and love that are in, in, the key, circle it, in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying. If Paul says this to me, I think I want to, my ears should perk up. In other words, don't miss this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason... I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I was reading a book this week talking about the Greek word for, and I don't remember what it was, the Greek word for knowledge, to know about God, and the Greek word for knowledge and experience, yada. Not only to know about this God, not only to to, to know of him, but to experience him, to know him and have experienced him, to abide in him, to have a relationship with him. It's more than just knowing about him. There are a lot of people who know this in their head, but sure, sure, sure can't sing about it or shout about it. Churches are filled in America, I believe, with this right here. Paul says in verse 18 and 19. And what I love about this, I, 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 can't you see the Apostle Paul struggling as he's writing this going, how many words can I use here to express what I want them to hear? To grasp even still further, to be fully available to breath, the length, the depth, the height, How many ways can I say this about the love of God? Then he encourages us 
to live into its fullness, to its capacity. So many of us live so far below our capacity. He said, into the fullness. He said, yeah, there are dimensions, but kind of an octave, but they can't be measured. <laughs> there are dimensions, but you can't put a tape measure to it. There are no boundaries for God's love. He will go wherever he has to go to to find you. This reckless love that we sing about, that's what that means. I think that's the why, that's some, one reason why so many of you in here, it's just almost like you can't help but sing this song because you know all the places he had to come to find you. Your sin is forgotten if you've asked as far as the east is from the west. And if you bring it up to him again, he'll say, what sin? What sin? And there are no boundaries for his love. This is the mystery of his grace that Paul continues to talk about. So it sure makes sense why Paul, at the end of this prayer, if you will, he begins to shout and sing. And to him. And to him. See, when you reach a point, when you realize the power and authority you walk in has no rival because the God you serve has no rival, you will begin to live different you'll begin to act different. What's so great about true Christianity is this. We don't use that power of what God gives us to intimidate or manipulate or lord it over others, but we use that power to serve others, to draw them in, and to give glory to God. I love how Paul just can't help himself here in 1 Timothy 1.17. Now to the king eternal immortal, invisible. This is right after I just read to you verses 16. Okay, if you're not separate, just make sure you're tying these back together here. Now to the king, not to the king, the, the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He loves you so much that I can't even explain it to you because it's beyond measurement. He's given us more than we could ever ask or imagine. We have capacity that we don't even know how to live into, but begin to pray. What if some of your prayers were God? Not for gifts of the Spirit or things along that line or new ministries. Just pray, God, I want the fullness of people not annoying me anymore and I can live in peace. (laughs) You laugh. But that's more than I could ask or imagine because everybody... No, no. (laughs) Right? Maybe our prayers have been pretty messed up and what we've been really trying to focus on. Maybe our prayers could be God change me. Not even change them, change me. So even if they never change, God, they never change. You can do more in me than I could ask. I don't know what they're going to do, but you can do more in me than I could ask or 
ever imagine. I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come as we close. I'm going to close around the communion table this morning. If you are here for the first time, I just uh, or, or not, but, but for the first time specifically, that obviously many churches do communion as part of what we believe is part of our community here and part of our even intergenerational. But we do it as it's been done through the centuries as a remembrance of the one who died for us, lives for us, they came to set us free. And so we come today around the table to honor and remember, to give glory. And let me say this as we we'll move into this time. Let me give a logistic real quick, and then I'll close on that part. Logistically, what we normally do is come down these aisles here. If you're coming down to come front, you'll take the bread, dip it into the cup, partake of it here. Or if you don't really want to dip it in the cup, we do have... Uh, some of the prepared ones now down front or even in the back if you're not able to come down front someone will bring you one if you'll lift your hand prepared ones if you would rather do that also and you could take it to your seat and partake of it there that's really up to you but one of the things I would just say as we close as we come down the whole concept of what Paul's doing here and shouting and singing If you truly can't answer why you think he would do that, I just ask you to be before him and ask him to begin to work in your heart and your mind. We talk about a lot here at times, the awe meter, A-W-E meter, when we're in the awe of God. Just ask God to begin to reveal himself to you. as you come today around the table just to think about that reckless love that he came chasing you and I know for me I took him to places he should have never had to go to find me but he did won't you stand with me as I close in prayer and then you will come as you feel led or you don't or obviously don't have to do that but uh, you're sure free not to, to come and partake. But we just want to invite you to be a part of that today. Lord, we thank you now for this time. We thank you for your word that reminds us of your love. And out of that love that lives in us, we can come to the throne. And I thank you your your servant Paul wrote, I think it's verse 12 of this chapter. We can come to the throne in your name, Christ, and in our faith in you with confidence and boldness. Confidence and boldness. We approach the throne to pray and to look into you and say, God, do what you will abundantly, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, this is your church. Help us to live that way here, Lord. Now as we come around the elements this morning as we partake, Lord, I pray across this room our hearts and our minds are really only on you in remembrance of
of what you've done for us. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come as you feel led. God bless you.